So welcome to the second week of the, the four-week sermon on the new church paradigm. Uh, so, and I'm just going to start this um, by sharing a quote that has really impacted my life in such a great way. And it is a quote by Portia Nelson. And just listen to this carefully. Chapter one of my life. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two of my life. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in it again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. And it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three of my life. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four of my life. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. The game changer. Chapter five of my life. I walk down another street. The new church paradigm, I think for me, is just about walking down another street. And I just want to share a few things that I know Pete shared with us last week. Uh, some of the questions that we've been asking ourselves and the churches across the greater West region uh, around the new church paradigm. But this, I want us just to think about these questions, but from a very personal space. You know, when you think about the church, the church is not just... Uh, the body, it's you and I. We make that body, you know, you and I. So at a very personal level, ask yourself, am I broken or in trouble? Why do I keep doing the things I do? What is stopping me from changing? What is the new church paradigm and how does it impact me as a person and as a part of the body of Christ? And what would happen if I as a church, you know, as part, of his, uh, as, as part of the body of Christ, constantly ask myself these questions. So first and foremost, I'm, I'm really thankful that, as we, uh, that the new church paradigm has brought us into a place of, you know, just a holy discontent, which is really, really critical and important as we move ahead. Because I don't actually remember a time in my life when I went through a transition that God didn't bring actually a holy discontent. And it's really, really important. But how we engage with this place of the new church paradigm moving forward is what is going to be the game changer. And this, 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 today I will be talking about embracing mission. The Bible says that if we love God, we obey his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And Jesus talking about the wise builder says this, that the person who is a wise builder is not the one who hears the word. It's the one who hears the word and puts the word into practice. So for me, the game changer in the new, uh, in the new church paradigm is obedience. Practicing what we have heard, not just knowing, but doing. I think sometimes I really worry that as a church, as Emma, you know, we are full of hearers. The church is full of hearers, including myself. And that's why we can't account for what we are building. We are like a master chef that brags of his or her delicacies and no one has ever tasted them. 
We have nothing to show because all we do is here from January to December. We hear, we hear, we hear. But do we practice what we hear? So that's a new church paradigm. Do we practice what we hear? Jesus said in Luke 8 that his true family, mark this, Jesus said in Luke 8 that his true family are those who hear and obey. They put into practice what he says. His true family is not just those who hear. They're the, the ones who obey. And just to emphasize, there's a story that Jesus shares in, the, in Matthew 21, uh, 20 and 31, verse 20 and 31, that really uh, sort of really stamps this a little bit more. Jesus talks about two sons. One, they were asked to actually uh, take care, uh, to, to work in a vineyard. And two of them had very different responses. The first one said, uh, the first one said, what? I will do it. Now, the first one said, actually, I will not do it. But he later had a change of his mind. And the other one said, I will do it, but didn't do it. And Jesus said, which of these two actually did the father's will? And it's obvious. It's the one who actually did it. So, yes, again, if you ask me about the new church paradigm, I will comfortably say that it's not a hearing paradigm. It's a practicing and an obedient paradigm. It's a paradigm that uh, uh, moves from knowing that we need to embrace mission to actually living mission, to actually doing mission. So I'm just going to share briefly on just some critical tools to embracing mission and, and just probably maybe give a bigger focus on what I consider as two enemies that we cannot afford to entertain in the new church paradigm, just two enemies. And I'm not going to get this out of my own head because I'm not that smart. So I'm just going to go through uh, God's word and see what Jesus has to tell us about this. And the story is of uh, the parable of the bags of gold. And probably most of us have heard this story. It's in Matthew 25, 14 to 28. And this is what it says. Again, it will be alike, like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, and to another uh, two bags, and another one bag. And mark this, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the story continues that after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them, you know. But you know, it's interesting because in verse 16 says that the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, obedience, and put his money to work and gave five more. The one with the two, two more. But the man who received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master comes back. And then he comes back and, you know, he, he, he wants to settle accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, you entrusted me with five. Here are five more. And then Jesus said, good and faithful servant. And so it was also with the man with the two bags. He brought two more. And Jesus says, well, good and faithful servant. Then the man who had received one bag of gold said, master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I have a swear, have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I will have received it back with interest. Very, very interesting story right there. And as I said, I'm just going to share Three things and other two things. There are three things that they really 
the three critical tools to embracing mission out of that story. And for me, there are key things that just stand out in, in that story, and that is gift, grace, and accountability. So when we think about the critical tools to embracing mission in the new church paradigm, we need to appreciate that we are gifted, we are graced, and that we will be held accountable. The new church paradigm needs our gift. Number one, the new church paradigm needs our gift, and I mean all gifts in the house. We are in a season of 1 Peter 4, 5, a season, a season of, uh, you know, where we need to engage the priesthood of all believers. Uh, Peter said that you and I are living stones that God is building into his temple. You and I are God's holy priests. So the new church paradigm is not just for pastors and church leaders. It's for each and every person that sits in the church that gathers together, whether on a Sunday or Monday. Uh, it's for each and every child of God, each and every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. The new church paradigm is for you. It's for me. We are God's holy priest and we are gifted. And actually the Bible also says that each one of us ought to use our gifts the ones that we have received from God as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So God has gifted you and I. And when we use our gifts, we administer his grace. So the new church paradigm is about you and I first and foremost identifying our gifts. Why? Because our gifts are given for mission. We need to know that we are gifted and identify our giftings. So we need these gifts in the new church paradigm. And so, and, and the burden is, is not just for pastors and the church leaders, it's for everybody. Number two, the grace. We, the new church paradigm is about grace. If we are going to embrace mission in the new church paradigm, it's going to be about grace, not works. It's, it's not an era of grinding the wheel. We are not going to toil through this season. We have to operate uh, you know, and flow in God's rhythms of grace. Why? Because as we read that story of the bags of gold, it's interesting that actually the, the master or the, gave each servant, uh, you know, just specific five, two bags of gold, one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Because every gift in our church, every gift in our community is commensurate, you know, it has a grace that is commensurate to it. Because God rewards faithfulness. He doesn't reward greatness. He rewards our faithfulness. You know, and some of us uh, think that God is actually looking at the greatness of our mission. No, he is looking at your faithfulness of how you're utilizing the gift. And it's really simple. When, it, when I think about mission, really, uh, Jesus said, I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came and visited me. Uh, and it's, it's what we do with the list of these, but doing it from a position of grace, not from a position of works. Um, so we really think about grace in the, in the new. And the, and the third thing is accountability. We need to know that we will give an account for our lives. So those three key things are really important. Grace, gifts, grace, and accountability. Uh, the pastor is not going to give an account for his congregation. You know, his, everyone is going to give an account for him or herself. We will eventually have accounts to settle with our master. But as I, as I, as I, as I really end, the other two things I wanted to share about the new church paradigm for me, which are really critical, is that we need to watch out for a few things in the new church paradigm. The enemies to our embracing of mission. What do we watch out for? Why did Jesus call this man wicked and lazy? 
You know, verse 24 says that the man who had received one bag of gold uh, came. Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not cut a seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He called him wicked because of fear. What we term as fear, God considers it as wickedness. And I think fear is the number one reason why we don't put into practice what we have heard or what is expected of us. If we are to step into the new church paradigm, my brothers and sisters, we cannot afford to entertain fear. We cannot afford to entertain this wicked thing called fear. Fear is one of the most selfish emotions. It can lead to self-centeredness. Fear centers on I. When we buy into fear, we make it all about ourselves. And the new church paradigm is not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. In that statement, you know, the man says, I knew you're a hard man. You harvest where you have not sown, gather where you have not scattered. So in other words, Jesus was asking, if you knew who I am, if you knew who I am, why did you make it all about yourself? And I don't think Jesus was saying, you know, he's a hard master. Jesus was just simply using this parable to, to communicate a point. And Jesus says, You'd, okay, fine, if you knew who I am, you would then have at least tried to do something that is risk-free. For heaven's sake, something that will cost you nothing, you know, something that, you know, that might not tamper with your reputation or make you look bad. You know, like taking money to the bank. If you only took the money to the bank, at least, you know, you should have disguised your fear and taken money to the bank. And, you know, on a practical level, I just want to say, for example, if you're thinking going out to evangelize and knocking people's doors is hard. If you can't handle the rejection at the door, if embarrassment is such a cost to you, resource those who can evangelize then, you know, uh, then support those who can evangelize and pray for those who evangelize, at least do something. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you think the risk is too high, try, try the non-risk stuff. At the worst case scenario, there will be some interest. The idea is you cannot just buy into fear. Who is it all about? Fear makes it all about me, my reputation. It's about Emma. It's about, you know, self-centeredness. And in the new church paradigm, we need to get over ourselves and deal with this wicked thing called fear. And I just want to give another example in Numbers 13. And I know we know this story about the 12 leaders, often referred to as the 12 spies who went on a mission to sightsee a vision trip, you know, to a land that they would soon occupy. Ten leaders came back and misled an entire nation. Ten leaders misled an entire nation into disbelief and instilled fear and impossibilities of ever occupying the land. You know, consequently, the entire nation was held in bondage for 40 years. Fear is demonic. Fear is horrible. While Jesus rules in righteousness, the devil rules through fear. It's fear that, that made them say, we look like grasshoppers. Isn't it funny that, be, you know, because God had not actually sent them to decide if they can occupy the land or not. God has said, go out and explore the land that I'm giving you. Then they went into the land and begin, began to make decisions as to whether they can actually occupy this land. That was not theirs. God had already decided, I'm giving you this land. Just go and explore it. But they came back and bought into fear. They decided, they decided that the towns are too large. 
and you know, and the cities are fortified, and the people living there are too powerful for them, as though God didn't know. He knew all that. So in the new church paradigm, there's nothing that God doesn't know. He knows that, you know, we, we, are, we are living in broken times. He knows that our cities are broken. He knows that people are hurting. And it's not for us to decide whether he is capable of, of healing our cities, of healing our nations. Our call is just to obey and, and you know, and just heed to his instructions and obey. And, and so God was really annoyed with them that they showed him, he said, you showed me contempt. And he actually struck the 10 men dead. They didn't even enjoy the 40 years uh, in the wilderness. And he punished the children of Israel. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is fear is wicked before God. And we need to really be careful as we go into the new church paradigm. Fear, we cannot cohabit. We cannot enter into an agreement. We cannot entertain fear in our lives. Just get over ourselves and move forward. Number two and the last thing is laziness. Now, the most interesting thing about this passage is that the master did not just buy into the fact that he was afraid. He went on ahead and called him, you wicked and lazy servant. The master says you're wicked and lazy. You chose comfort. It has nothing to do with you, but you made it all about you. When you entered into an agreement with fear, laziness and comfort, he called him lazy because if he made just a little bit of effort, he would have still have gotten some interest. And so one of the things that we need to guard in the new church paradigm, as we embrace mission and as we go out into our cities and our suburbs and desire to see transformation, is that we cannot, we have to guard against comfort. We have to guard against laziness. There's a difference between understanding our own limits and underestimating what God can do through us. So, so, and I'm not saying that we should you know, have burnout but I'm saying we need to guard against being lazy and just taking comfort zones. Proverbs 26, 13 to 15 says that a sluggard says there's a lion. You know, a lazy person says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets, an imaginary conversation with fear, you know. And as the door turns on its hinges, a lazy person turns on his bed. A lazy person, can you imagine this? Verse 15 just strikes me. Uh, a lazy person buries his hand in the dish and he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. We cannot be a people or a church that is known for laziness. We just must just get up and get working. Jesus said that we need to occupy, we need to do business, still he returns. Jesus actually said that my father is always at work. So we need to get to work. We need to always be at work. There's no place for laziness and comfort in the new church paradigm. So as I conclude, the three things I've just shared, we need to move from hearing to practice. Obedience is very key in the new church paradigm. Obedience is very key. Number two, we need to embrace the tools of mission. That is identifying the gifts in the body allowing the grace of God to be experienced through them and staying accountable to God and his body. And number three, we need to overcome fear and laziness. So I just want to go back and conclude by reading the, the again the quote by Portia Nelson. Chapter one of my life, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in and I'm lost and I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It still takes forever to find the way out. Chapter 2, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. And we know there's been a deep hole in our churches. We pretend we don't see it. I fall in again. 
I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't our fault. It, it, it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. We see it there. We still fall in. It's a habit now, and our eyes are open. We know where we are, but again, it isn't our fault. It, no, this time it is actually our fault, and we get out immediately. Chapter 4, we walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. We walk around it. And I feel that the era that we are in right now is where we have been recognizing there's a deep hole in the sidewalk and walking around it. But God is asking us, friends, it's chapter 5. We walk down another street. And that's where God is calling us in embracing mission in the new church paradigm. I really pray that God encourages each one of us and that this message from God is received with love because it is the Father's heart that we join him in mission and on the work that he's doing in the earth today. God bless you.